contemplation of feelings. So Vedana, Vedana Nupassana. <clears throat> but how does a disciple dwell in contemplating feelings, in the contemplation of feelings? In experiencing feelings, the disciple knows, I have an agreeable feeling, or I have a disagreeable feeling, or I have an indifferent feeling, or I have a worldly agreeable feeling, or I have an unworldly agreeable feeling, or I have a worldly disagreeable feeling, or I have an unworldly disagreeable feeling, or I have a worldly indifferent feeling, or I have an unworldly indifferent feeling. So whatever you make of worldly or unworldly, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be books and books of commentary on what that means. But the general principle of disagreeable feeling, an agreeable feeling, an indifferent feeling is the translation of Vedana here. Thus he dwells in contemplation of feelings, <clears throat> either with regard to his own person, or to other persons or to both. He beholds how feelings arise, beholds how they pass away, beholds the arising and passing away of feelings. Feelings are there. This clear awareness is present in him to the extent necessary for knowledge and mindfulness, and he lives independent, unattached to anything in the world. Thus does the disciple dwell in contemplation of feelings. And the footnote from Venerable Jnana Tiloka, the disciple understands that the expression, I feel, has no validity except as a con conventional expression, vohara vajana. He understands that in the absolute sense there are only feelings and that there is no self, no experiencer of feelings. So that's the second foundation of mindfulness, Vedana. And if you, if you remember Vedana, the Buddha uses that in a lot of the teachings. So you have Vedana in the uh, Khandas, Rupupadana Khandao, Vedanopadana Khando, so you have it in the Khandas, um, you have it in Paticca Samupada, independent origination, so Ayatana, Pasa, Vedana, Tanha, Upadana, you have sense, sense, con, uh, sense bases, contact, feeling, Vedana, so Pasa is contact, the sense bases are given, part of, part of being incarnate in the body, Pasa is a given because we're interacting all the time with with the world plus our own memories and thoughts. So pasta is a given. And then Vedana is the pleasant or unpleasant aspect of that sense experience. And then Tanha, Tanha arises dependent on, on Vedana. And then Upadana or attachment or sense of self arises dependent on tanha. So you have Vedana in that formulation, and hence implicitly you have Vedana in the formulation of Four Noble Truths, that the cause of suffering is attachment to tanha, and that the cessation of suffering is the abandonment of tanha. So implicit in that is Vedana as well. So Vedana is a very, very, very uh, important term to get your head around, very important term in Pali. Um, and then Vedana in English tends to kind of sound like emotion, but in this, in the Pali sense, I think it's 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 more general than emotion because you can have a uh, you can have a so you have dukkha vedana and sukha vedana and indifferent and dukkha vedana you can have around a bodily feeling, around a sight, 
around a taste, around a smell, around a sound, around a memory, around a thought. Right? So it's not just emotion, uh, but it's the, it's the aspect of pleasant or unpleasant within emotions and the other sense experiences. So it's, it's broader than just emotion. And that all, all, all of our mind moments contain Vedana, but some Vedana is not really that noticeable because it's kind of indifferent, it's neutral. And then some Vedana is very, very noticeable, something's very, very attractive, or something's very, very unattractive, something's very, very pleasant, something's very, very unpleasant. So it's a spectrum, it's a spectrum, and, uh, and, and what we, what in the second foundation of mindfulness is we're trying to, again, we're trying to isolate that part of our sense experience. Because if we can, if you can isolate that part, then it won't go to tanha, and then it won't go to upadana, and it won't go to old age, sickness, and death, and suffering. It won't be that. So, I've been suggesting that <clears throat> we, um, first and foremost, constantly make this intention to bring our awareness to the present moment. Make that the really strong intention, present moment, present, until, until the mind is really uh, settled into the present moment. You know, this is the idea of settling, or, or, or grounding, or... or Get, getting, get, getting to be very aware of the mind's movement of past and future. So once we, we are more adept at that, then there's a kind of capacity now to, to sustain attention the way things are. And within that capacity, then we can pick up some of the themes of Satipatthana. And Vedana is very, very interesting because it... it it is, it's, not, it's not a personal experience. When, it, when an experience becomes personalized, we're caught in Sakaya Ditti, in personality view. And you know how we say in, in Western culture, uh, <clears throat> don't go for the storyline. Don't fire the storyline. Don't attach to the narrative. We're always saying that. But in, our, but in Western thought, we don't have an alternative. We don't really say, well, so yeah, okay, I don't, I'm not going to follow the storyline, but what do I do? And in, in Buddhism, the suggestion is, well, look at thing like something like mood of the mind, jitanupassana, or, or look at vedana. Okay? So if you, look at, if you can be attentive to vedana, <clears throat> it can be a mood, it can be a sight, it can be a sound, it can be a smell, it can be a bodily thing, it can be a memory. And you, you become quite adept at knowing this is pleasant <clears throat> and sustaining the sense of ease or pleasantness and just knowing that aspect of it, and its opposite, then you begin to have a strong mindfulness which is the ground for upeka, or equanimity. And upeka you find in different ways in the text. You find it in the, in the paramitas, you, you find it in ways of, of, of uh, in the, in the, for brahma-viharas, you find it in the ways of deep concentration. So upeka, or equanimity, is much encouraged as a, as a, as a as a way of being with the with the changing nature of sense consciousness. So in in the Satipatthana, what is it saying? It's saying that the contemplative knows Vedana, knows its arising, knows its ceasing, knows it coming and going and remains independent. And that that is what we call lakana uh, concentration or lakana meditation as opposed to a particular object of meditation. And when, when we can do that, when we can sustain attention on pleasant or unpleasant, that becomes an underlying uh, 
facility or uh, strength, which then sees Vedana more and more throughout our life, if we just do it deliberately. Uh, and it is, it is very, a very um, stilling way of practice, because the mind's not going anywhere with Vedana and Tanha. So, for instance, let's say um, bodily pain, discomfort. Bodily pain is necessary. It, it helps us not to hurt ourselves. So, we get bodily pain when we go outside, we put on a coat or we get frostbite, it's dangerous, so there's nothing... I mean, bodily pain is a necessary part of being a human being. But, say, in meditation, we get certain bodily discomfort. Then if you want to take Vedana as the theme of meditation, if you're sick foundation of mindfulness, then you do that, you know, as, as the body starts to get discomfort, say, in the left knee, and the discomfort starts to um, get... You start to notice it, say, you know, like, like in the beginning you sit down, maybe it's comfortable, and then at some point discomfort will arise, and that will have a Vedana in it. Now, if you, if you make the intention to practice Vedana, mindfulness of, of, of Vedana, then you'll, you'll use that. you use that. Well, okay, so what, what is the very sense of unpleasantness here? Or what is discomfort? And then that won't be an intellectual analysis. You'll, your attention will be quiet, and attentive to that very, very feeling. And if you're very attentive to it, you can see if it's painful and you have to move. You can do that. It's not, it's not, it's not a question of willfully not moving. That's, that's still bound up with personality view. But here now you see it, Vedana is just Vedana. And you get a sense of body is body, Vedana is Vedana, rather than, oh, how am I going to sit through this? Or the discomfort or restlessness that comes from that. And if you sustain on that very feeling of, of, of unpleasantness, quite often goes to neutrality. Unless it's starting to get very extreme. It goes to neutrality, constantly it goes to neutrality. And your mind begins to have upeka around discomfort. Again, it's, it's, a, a very, it's a very easy exercise because as discomfort arises in the body, it's not. It's not going to hurt you. If you sit for another 10, 15 minutes, it's probably not going to hurt you. You kind of know that. It's just discomfort. But you're now using the very discomfort um, as Vedana Vasana. So, so you, you begin to have that ability to look at unpleasant. And how that plays out is then in the rest of your day, in the rest of, your, of the stream of consciousness, you will have that uh, as a bit of a, of a, of a capacity to notice that in interactions with other humans or sounds or sights or tastes or memories that come up or, or whatever comes up, you will have developed a, a certain capacity to do that. And the more you do it, the more you have the capacity to do that. So let's say if, if someone, let's say if someone, uh, let's say we're sitting in meditation and it's 10 minutes into the meditation and someone comes uh, who's maybe bringing dana. Right? So we think, oh, nice, they're bringing down a Sukhothai restaurant. How oh, nice. And so the first maybe sound is, oh, isn't that sweet? And then they start to have a discussion in the hallway. And then they talk and they talk and they talk and they start to gossip and they start to laugh. And maybe after five minutes, you start to feel dukkha vedana. Right? So the, the, the thought of gratitude changes. So why don't they go into the kitchen? Why don't they shut up? You know, we're trying to meditate. Now, if you're doing, 
If you're noticing Dukkha Vedana, that's just sound. So Pasa, right? So Ayatana Pasa, Pasa contact. Contact in the beginning, maybe, whatever, feeling neutral, just neutral, just a sound. And then as it goes on, maybe, you start to pick up, I don't want this, or it's negative, or it's unpleasant. Now if you just notice that, say, okay, what is it about this experience? What is the Vedana about this experience? You have to be very, very attentive, right? If, if your mind goes off into thinking, you're not in the present moment, it really goes off into complaining. Um, but you just you hold your thing and say, what is it about this experience? Why does it feel make me restless? Or whatever question you want. And you, you pay attention to that Vedana. You'll see it'll go neutral. It'll go to neutral. Because the only way you can keep something negative going is if you think about it. If you keep thinking negative thoughts, to keep a negative impulse going, you have to keep thinking negative thoughts. Why don't they stop? Why don't they stop? Why don't they shut up? Why don't they leave? Why don't they go? Whereas if you just hold on the Vedana, It'll take you to Upeka. It might rise again. It'll take you to Upeka. It might rise again. Take you to Upeka. <coughs> so you're 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 using just um, sound, pasa with sound, and now you're you're looking at the Vedana. You're paying attention to the Vedana, and you see what what the what the text means by you remain independent from that. It's not that it's not there. Your your senses are still operating, and you need that, but you're no longer uh, caught by it. And, and caught in the narrative. And the narrative is Sakayaditi. That's what we mean by Sakayaditi. One, one of the ways to talk about it. There's many ways maybe to talk about it. And you can see the narrative will arise, will like, <clears throat> maybe I should go out there and tell them to go in the kitchen, or why don't they go away? Or, and you have to do something about it. Now I have to do something about it. You notice how maybe, I mean this is an exaggeration, but you see how anger arises then. You know, you, you have this Dukkha Vedana, you don't want this Dukkha Vedana, so what do you do? You blame someone. Those idiots, they're making, you know, they're ruining my practice. So then there's the narrative, the projection outwards. If it's necessary to, to say to people, you know, let's not do that, sure, you know, we're going to say that, that's not a problem. But just in the course of things, to actually use these, this, these little things which aren't, you know, it's not like the war in Syria or something, like they're not really serious, but don't dismiss them. Actually, don't 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 say I shouldn't think like that. Use them. Use them to say, oh, this is this is just dukkha This is unpleasant sound, quality of unpleasant sound. That's what it sounds like. You know, that's what it feels like. Maybe uh, like a, a a memory of something that that happened. Something was said to you, or you said to something to someone, or some memory from. Um, um, shopping or you know whatever it is and some unpleasant memory comes up and and just to have enough on the memory and just to notice the unpleasantness that takes a really sharp mind and then if you notice that that memory trace and you pay attention to the unpleasant it can't go to tanha and it can't go to upadana and it can't go to sakaiditi it has no room to go anywhere because sati now is strong enough not to not to run up to, to get overwhelmed by those things. Some things, of course, are, are, are more, more extreme than that, but if you develop the facility to do that in those kinds of situations, then that facility is there for the more extreme kinds of things. Um, so then, <clears throat> if, if um, you also, in, in, the, in the kind of same vein, 
you develop much more kind of body awareness, body is body rather than my body. And and if you're like if you're for instance, if you're if you're looking at Dukkha Vedana in the body, you have some kind of uncomfortable feeling in the body. Now if you have like just sati on the on the Dukkha Vedana, you'll begin to see the body more as an energy vibratory system rather than my knee is hurting. My knee is hurting is true. You know, it is it's true in a conventional sense and I need to take care of my knee and so on. But on the kind of five khandas movement of consciousness way of looking at things, body is body. Feeling is feeling like an energy system. Learn how to do that. Learn how to notice body as an energy system. Uh, and that you can do by looking at Vedana. You look at Vedana and you begin to see it's just body vibrating. And, and then the sense of me and time. And when is the sitting going to end? How that arises. How the sense of self arises from Upadana. One very good way to develop that kind of body, like like in 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 our like in the reflection that we did, uh, uh, was it this morning? We did the the, the thirty two parts of the body. That's the kind of uh, asuba uh, reflection we say, or uh, and that can be very conceptual, or it can be very a, a kind of visualization, or you can actually go in the body and try to feel those things. But there's also a way of, of doing body awareness, which is more like an energy observation, because the body is also an energy field. And if you close your eyes and you don't conceptualize the body, and you just allow bodily sensations to manifest and become conscious, and you don't you don't conceptualize them, you notice. So, so what is what is the left hand? That's a concept. But if I feel the left hand now, well, there's temperature. There's a bit of shaking. And it's just just an energy field. It's just moving. When I conceptualize it, oh, my hand's really cold. Oh, what should I do? I better put a glove on. That's that's okay. That's all right. But just to know it, body is body. Body is body. Just to know the body. What that does, it disengages the sense of self-identity uh, with the body. And that's a very strong um, form of suffering that we have. And yet, it's a necessary form of identity with the body. Otherwise, we wouldn't take care of it. So, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating we go out in the snow and just rest and watch our Vedana, because then there'll be a very few people in the monastery. <laughs> so sometimes that the ideas around non-grasping become ridiculous, but there is, you know, we take care of it. But one good way to look at to look at um, body as body is, as I've of, I often suggest, is trying to learn to do uh, lying meditation. Now, in lying meditation, you're using the lying posture rather than st- standing, sitting, or walking. And it's harder to get, admitted, it's harder to get um, a sense of presence and vitality in the mind. A lot of people just go into kind of a, a dull porridge mind. So it's, it takes some training. But the thing about lying meditation is that you don't, you don't have so much willfulness to hold the body. You don't need to hold the body up. In sitting meditation the very necessity of holding the body up usually gives you the energy to stay awake. Just that much, actually. So it's, it's very helpful that way. But if you can lie down, then the need to do something with the body is not there anymore. And, and if you just allow the body to become conscious as feeling, 
And that, that takes a kind of waiting. You, you lie there. And the secret, I think, to lying meditation, or what we call, what they call in yoga, yoga nidra, is, is not moving. That's, I think, the real secret. So you, you, lay, you lay down in a posture which is comfortable. You adjust it another 10% to get comfortable. And then you make the aditana not to move. If you make the aditana not to move, the first uh, sense of, of dukkha vedana, the first sense of dukkha vedana you'll get will be you know, something in the hip, you'll feel a bit off, or you want to, don't move. Look at the dukkha vedana. Look at the dukkha vedana. And what'll happen is you'll, you'll start to get, see the body more and more as energy. Rather than me and the body trying to become comfortable, I better shift around so I can become comfortable. A kind of self-narrative. Maybe not so overtly in thought, but actually still there in, in attitude and attachment to the body as a sense of self. So you look at just the Vedana, Dukkha Vedana, and just let the body, let the body become conscious as feeling, as sensation. Just let it come up with the surface. Just let it be what it is. Don't try to fix it or do anything about it. Or if you're trying to do something about it, notice that. Because there's a lot of doing and becoming in our meditation. And when you lie down in the lying posture, if you can stay present, I mean, that's, the, that's the challenge. You have to get that present moment awareness running on it kind of continuously. If you can do that, then the body starts to, you start to know the body as vibratory system, as, uh, um, as energy system. And in that, quite often you get energy releases, you get twitchings and things like that. These are very, actually very, very restful, very, very restful, because you're kind of allowing the body to really, really rest. And then at some, some point, more and more, you notice body is body and the sense of self falls away. The sense of me, the doer, falls away. You get more and more sense of emptiness and the body being just the body. No sense of me being in a body or me doing something. There's just the, the clarity of, 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 of anatta and the clarity of bodily vibrations as well, bodily vibrations. So it's deeply, deeply relaxing, but also it's very edifying. You really can learn a lot about body as body. And then that kind of learning... You, you, you learn about Dukkha Vedana as you want to move. You learn how not to move. And then your attitude to body becomes one of non-grasping. Body is body. And the strong sense of me doing something, there's always a sense of having to do something, accomplish something, get somewhere, achieve something. That strong sense of ego doing, that, become, that begins to fall away. And that starts to work in your sitting meditation. You know, in your sitting... Any, any wholesome attitudes you develop in any posture, are going to echo in your other postures, obviously, because you've developed wholesomeness, you've developed skill in, in some kind of meditative attitude. So, so developing that in the lying posture will then, should, begin to be reflected back in your sitting posture. You'll see, is there too much willfulness? Uh, is, is there the strong doing and becoming? Or is there the capacity to be awake, present, 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 but more and more deeply relaxed with the body as it is, still keeping it up. So these are kinds of explorations through the, through the Satipatthana, body as body, feeling as feeling, uh, where we begin to find our stability of mind, not just through an object, but through the knowing of the khandas as the khandas, a kind of independence of the grasping. 
So we use objects like the breath and so on to stabilize the mind and keep doing that, get good at it. Um, use metta to kind of continually relax and open the heart and make the heart happy. But then also look at the mind which is, always has to do something and actually just, just notice so just notice the way things are. So Vedana is Vedana, although that sounds like a doing, what you do what you're what you're doing is you're allowing Vedana to just be Vedana. So there's a kind of receptive quality, waiting quality to Vedana is this way, it feels this way. And then you, you start to see that it arises and ceases and, and and there's no person there doing that. You know, this is empty of a sense of self. You get you get those those uh, intuitions around uh, sunyata that are happening more and more. Um, food, say like the pleasant, say like like if you're really, you know, you see something on the on the table which is like really really delicious. We see, oh, that's really that's a really nice cake or that's that, and we and as soon as we're eating it, we're thinking about something else. Or we've mixed it all together anyway, we don't know. But the greed mind remembers something, right? But actually when we get to the Vedana of that thing which we've remembered, we're, we're somewhere else. We're already in the future doing, doing something else. So to actually just, not, you know, not to make a big problem out of greed, but just to notice, okay, what is it that the, that, that the mind is greedy about? What is that really? What is the Vedana there? Right? And then just, just, just taste it. Um... <laughs> you've probably heard that story like in Thailand uh, in the early days like if you got we had no coffee and things like that but every now and then someone would score a bag of sugar and this was like gold a bag of sugar was like un- unheard of gold so I guess he was a known Kai then and someone gave him a bag of sugar <laughs> and he said okay I'm just going to watch Vedana I'm just going to watch the Vedana as I take a spoonful of sugar. And he finished the whole bag. <laughs> so much for that experiment. <laughs> but, you know, first of all, like, have a sense of humor around your kilesa. And, 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 and enjoy the pickle if you want. But, like, just use, use things like that, like and dislike and really get this satipatthana, uh, uh, mindfulness of Vedana, get that going in the mind. Get that going as a practice. And that's the way you can go from the narrative. You know, the narrative of, of your life. You still have to live your narrative. And each of us has our responsibilities and complexities that we have to deal with. And some of our narratives are going to be unpleasant, some pleasant. But when you're facing something unpleasant, or an unpleasant narrative coming up, Sure, you have to plan and deal with it, but also just that sense of apprehension, the memory of what you're going to have to do or the anticipation of what you're going to have to do, then go to that every now and then. Well, okay, what's, what is it now? What is it really? What is the Vedana in this? You're not trying to get rid of it or analyze it intellectually, just very quiet looking, very quiet looking. And then I'll take you to Upeka. So this is the way you train to Upeka, first of all. You also are letting go of the tendencies towards tanha, upadana, the tendencies to personality, view the whole, the whole nine yards of suffering that we have. You're addressing the second and third noble truths. You're addressing the four noble truths, the end of suffering, the cause and the end of suffering, the cessation of suffering. And you're understanding the basic components of, of, of consciousness. This is one of the, the khandas, one of the basic components of being a conscious human being. So there's more and more panya and wisdom arising. So the 
the work around Vedana is very fruitful. You can, you can really, really learn a lot about yourself.